Hi, and welcome to episode seven of the second series of the Equip to Heal podcast. My name's Alistair Mitchell-Baker, and this podcast is all about encouraging and equipping you to move forward in the Christian healing ministry. I'm really excited this week because we got an interview with Julian Richards, who's an amazing apostolic leader of a national movement of churches, New, Ra- New Wine Cymru. And he's also the pastor of the church he uh, pioneered and started with his wife, uh, Sarah, nearly 30 years ago in Swansea. I think you'll find this a really encouraging and stimulating and useful uh, interview. Um, so please enjoy. So it's great to be joined this afternoon by uh, Julian Richards. Thank you very much for joining me, Julian. It's great. You're welcome. I'm pleased to be here. Julian is uh, one of those people that's really encouraged me and indeed our church, uh, the Gate in Reading, in going forward in the healing ministry. Julian is the national leader of New Wine Cymru. Uh, and for nearly 30 years now, he's been leading the Cornerstone Church in Swansea with his wife, Sarah, uh, that he helped found uh in 1991 um and cornerstone is an amazing church having a great impact across uh, swansea and well known across wales i've had the joy of visiting it um and uh julian has also uh plays a leading role in new wine cymru which is a fascinating network of churches across wales uh, again i had the privilege of uh, seeing a bit up close uh with some of the work we've done in the past with returning so um and I know that um, uh, Julian has uh, had a profound influence on many churches uh, and ministers across Wales and in fact beyond as well. So uh, it's great that we've got you uh, this afternoon. Um, and Julian, I, I would love to hear from you a bit about why you think uh, healing is important in your local church ministry first off. And then perhaps we can hear a bit more about the kind of wider picture as you see it across New Wine, Cymru. Yeah, well, I think for us, the healing in our local church has been a journey. Um, in that we, we've always believed in healing, my wife and myself, and we have always prayed for people to be healed. Uh, right from the early starts of our ministry, when we, we started in 1985, Right. And we saw a few people healed, but <laughs> we saw most people we prayed for didn't get healed. Yeah. But we started off in evangelism, uh, not in pastoral work. And, and therefore, healing and evangelism had an easy fit and an easy connection with us. And, and so that was the beginning of our journey with healing, praying for people to be healed uh, as a part of our evangelistic witness with the words that we say when we present Christ and the gospel, alongside serving our community with compassion and care and love and building bridges and communicating the love of God to complement the message of his love and the work of the cross and healing for people so that there was an evidence, you know, preach the word with signs, wonders, uh, signs following, so to speak. And so that was just a natural thing for us to do as evangelists. And we, we did see people healed, not loads, but we did. And, uh, and then I guess, oh, it must have been about 18, maybe 20 years ago, 
yeah, more like 18, I think. Uh, we really decided to press into it. And I got a friend of mine, uh, Sam Larby, his name was, who was in Bible college and he was a major in the Ghanaian army. Right. And uh, he was, he was a 40 year old man who was uh, left the army as a major and going into the ministry. And I was in my twenties and he took me under his wing and began to mentor me. And he had a prolific healing ministry. And so after we'd been uh, setting the church up for some years, I said, let's get Sam down. And he began to teach us about healing, uh, about the work of the cross. And he prayed for the whole church for an anointing in healing. He prayed for the sick there. And then my wife got healed of an eight year neurological disability. Wow people who were in wheelchairs. I remember Amanda had been in a wheelchair, <laughs> came in the wheelchair, left pushing her wheelchair. Wow. I mean, it was absolutely astonishing. And from then, people just went out, started praying for people, friends, colleagues, work colleagues, anybody and everybody. And people were getting healed left, right and center. Right. Wow. So that's where it started for us in terms of evangelism and that witness. And it came to a place where the vast majority of people who weren't Christians we were praying for were getting healed. Right. You were seeing more non-Christians getting healed than Christians, were you? Oh, undoubtedly. We would pray. We, we, were, we were seeing, okay, you know, I don't want to over-exaggerate, but I said to my wife on one occasion, oh, it must have been, you know, about seven out of 10 people were praying, getting healed. She said, no, no, it's more than that. Right. You know, I just, I'm just reluctant to say how many it is, yes, but it, it was quite astonishing. But we were, at the beginning, we would pray for people in our church and we couldn't see a headache healed. Yeah. Now, I wanted to clarify it as well, qualify it in, in a sense that when we're praying for people who were not Christians, it was just ev everyday people in, in the workplace and neighbors and friends. So we weren't praying for, you know, terminal, terminal illnesses all the time. And we weren't praying for blind people and people in wheelchairs because yeah. these weren't the situations that people were meeting in everyday life and everyday circumstance. It was people who had whiplash and car accidents and damaged their, play <laughs> their, their joints down the gym and had arthritis and knees and all that type of thing. But they were getting healed. Yeah. And it was astonishing. And then um, over a period of time, this, this continual healing began to have its effect upon the church that actually the church began to believe that, well, maybe we can be healed too. Right. And now 18 or so years later, there is no difference between whether we're praying for Christians or non-Christians within the context of our church. It it's fascinating, isn't it, that um, there's something I think that must have happened in the last few decades, you know, maybe until 10 or 20 years ago, where so many Christians kind of almost they don't realise that they're not expecting healing. And, and, and there's an issue with faith, whereas if you pray for non-Christians, they have no grid at all. They have no lack of expectation. They don't have a blocker, as it were. And I I mean, I think probably a lot depends on your church background, but I realised that was true of myself, that I had a kind of what they call a cessationalist, a soft cessationalist upbringing, where I didn't expect to see healing. It was, it was crazy in hindsight. 
Well, I think it's it's interesting that as e e evangelicals, and you know, I see myself and class myself as an evangelical, you know, believing Christian. Yeah. Uh, evangelicalism, we've been probably preaching that uh, God doesn't heal for the last couple of hundred years in the church. Yes. And I don't know if we can undo that, because we do believe what we t what has been taught, and so that has been taught, and that gets into our heart and soul, and. I guess that the, the, the psyche of the individual Christian and the psyche of the corporate church as well. Um, and, and so I think it's, it's, it's a big ask to expect all that to be undone overnight. Yeah. On, on learning, which is some of what it is, is a, is, is a, is a difficult and lengthy process. Mm. Um, and, um, but clearly if different uh, church streams, probably didn't lose healing. I mean, obviously Pentecostalism was, was founded uh, strongly in it. Um, a, a number of streams of the Catholic Church never have lost healing. They, they may understand it differently and how, how, you, how, how you go about doing healing within the body. But uh, I, I find it very interesting how the different streams come from a different place, but, but kind of a lot of what we would have what I would call, you know, Bible-believing evangelical churches, the kind of upbringing I came from and, and you described, we've had that kind of somehow ended up believing something that is so clearly, I would say, at odds with a lot of the narrative of the New Testament, because, you know, you only have to read the Gospels and Acts, and there's healing every other page. Mm. Um, yeah, and um, I think there's been a, a confusion about uh, knowing that God can heal and a conviction about his will to heal so that's often shaped how how we've prayed if it be your will lord yeah. please heal you know <laughs> uncle bob or what have you um and this has been coming back to the original question this has been a shaper for us i think in terms of of, of healing in the sense that we first had a conviction of faith that yep. God wanted to convince unchurched people that the gospel and the resurrection and the message of Christ is true. Yep. And Jesus used healing to convince that. The apostles used healing to convince that. And we are in a post-Christian, or some would call it a pre-Christian world. So our context is not dissimilar to the complexities and the many philosophies and religions that were taking place in the early church times so if somebody said we've met a man that's risen from the dead and you're going to be laughed at yeah <laughs> but they said well hang on we've met a man who's risen from the dead watch this yes um and so and so that that the healing is is a sign or an evidence that the gospel and the resurrection is valid and credible However, in our journey, we, we've, as we've got into him, we've begun to realise actually it's just more than uh, evidence for the gospel. Yes. So Jesus came and he said, um, repent because the kingdom of God is at hand and, and or change your minds, as the Greek says. And, and he healed people as his kingdom message. And Paul says, I've been away, I've been from all the way from Jerusalem to Ilkram and fully proclaimed the kingdom of God with signs and wonders and power of the Holy Spirit. And so, we, so then we began to see that 
healing actually wasn't just a sign of the gospel, but it's a sign of the coming kingdom that, that creation is going to be restored back to God. Fallen creation is coming back to the Father. And Jesus came as a man uh, to model what restored human beings, head of creation looks like. And when he healed human beings, it was, he was healing the head of creation. Human beings are the crowning glory of creation. Yeah. And so it's a sign that if you, want to, if, you want, if you want to know that the rule of God is coming back to all of creation, well, the head of creation, human beings are getting healed first, so the rest of creation can follow. And that's what the resurrection is all about, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, and uh, Christ's resurrection and our resurrection. So now, whilst we just saw healing as a sign for the gospel of salvation, now we see it as a sign and a foretelling that the kingdom of God is here and the kingdom of God is fully coming. And the fact that human beings are getting healed is a sign of that fact. Yeah, amen. So I, th I think that, that additional point about that kingdom theology that kingdom understanding is is the kind of differentiator because you know if you talk about over the last 200 years where evangelicalism could look around and say gosh we're in a christian society if we are not quite sure what that means but we could say that and therefore healing was and we thought healing was a sign and attestation that the gospel was true there's one way of looking at it. If you're clearly now in, as you said, in our post-Christian society, you're in a different place with the first one. But also, if you don't have a kingdom theology, you're you're always going to have a narrower view of what um, what the church is doing, whether it's just there to rescue people, as it were, um, or whether it's there to bring the rule and the authority of God into every area of life. Which I know one of the things that I find really impressive about your ministry is is your church is that uh, you do evangelism and mission and social action and it's not or either or it's all of them together so how do you see that kind of social action reaching out and loving the community fitting alongside the healing piece well the kingdom is, is a kingdom of justice and it's yeah. a good news and it's a kingdom of god's love and it's a kingdom of god's rule so um, for us to care for people and serve people, whether it's dealing with systemic problems, um, if you're a politician or if you're a, um, an economist and you're seeking to deal with some of the social and systemic injustices built into the fabric of society, um, that is a sign of the kingdom of God coming. I mean, when John the Baptist um, said, uh, prepare for the way of the Lord, he talked a lot about social issues, didn't he? He said, yeah. well, don't complain about your wages, go two miles, turn the other cheek. You know, the fruit of repentance was, I know it's deeply personal in how we treat others, but it, it basically was uh, an issue of, of how justly uh, we respond to others. And so to prepare, this is, this is a, to prepare for the justice and the mercy of God's coming that has come but is yet to fully come it, it's another sign but it's just the right thing to do it, it's it's and it's a strategic thing to do as well uh, so 
we, we see that serving people is a matter of kingdom, it's a matter of justice, it's a matter of mercy, it's a matter of compassion, it's a gospel issue. Proclaiming the words that gives an, an understanding to the why and the who of salvation and opens the heart and deposits a faith for salvation uh, and response is absolutely essential. And healing the body is basically saying to the world, um, Actually, God isn't. God is interested in your pain and your suffering. He cares deeply, but there's more to it than that. God is interested in restoring all of broken, fallen creation Amen. that came into the world through through the deception of the garden and the complicity of Adam and Eve came into the world because they fell who were given the authority over creation. All of creation followed suit because the, the head of creation fell. And as the head of creation, humanity is restored back through Christ the man who is God, all the creation follows back. So uh, in Romans says, it says all of creation is eager the waiting for the revelation of the sons of God so it be set free from its corruption and, and bondage. And we will say, yeah, but oh, I thought we were revealed with children of God, aren't we? No, when we get our redeemed, healthy, restored, glorified bodies back, we will truly be redeemed and mm -hmm. revealed. And then all of creation will come back in alignment to God's rule through through restored humanity and christ is the first man or the last adam of restored humanity so it's a sign of the kingdom of god coming yeah now it's good and it's interesting in the in the last few months as the issues around racial justice have come to the fore much more in in all of our thinkings including in the church and, and as you know um yinko Iakan are the minister of our church is, uh, and, and now the president of the Baptist Union has kind of suddenly found himself thrust a bit into the front line of some of these issues, uh, being a, a Scottish Nigerian. Um, it's been interesting when we, you know, we've been exploring these issues in the church and in, and in the Baptist movement. And I was led to go back to Psalm 103, one of my favourite psalms, because as you know, it talks about praising the Lord and forget not his benefits, that he forgives our sins, he heals our diseases. And it goes on and says, the Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. In other words, to me, racial justice is part of that redemption, part of that healing, part of that kingdom of God coming into the earth, um, as you said. And, and, and we know Paul, you know, as he talked in Ephesians about uh, the barriers coming down between us, it seems to me, you know, God is doing something in the world at the moment around racial justice. That is something about some deep, deeply healing thing that needs to happen. So, um, so it, we can't contain what he's doing, it seems to me, ever. <laughs> so, yes, so this is, in a sense, why we, we are committed to healing and justice and preaching, because Jesus, in his demonstration of the kingdom and bringing in the kingdom, did it all. He came out of the wilderness preaching. He had a message yeah. of the kingdom. I mean, the first thing he said is, change your mind, the kingdom is had. That was his message. And he went around doing good and showing compassion. He fed the 5,000. He set the captives free. He challenged the injustices of the religious pharisaical system 
systemic systems, he went around doing good, and he healed the sick. And when the kingdom fully comes, you know, it, it, it's going to be integrated and full and complete. And all of creation is going to be aligned to the will of the Father, expressed through Christ, the man who is God. And we will rule as human beings, as uh, under Christ and with Christ as his body. And we will re-fulfill the mandate of Adam and Eve to rule and be fruitful and care for our creation that we messed up the first time. Amen. Amen. Yeah. So one of the things I love about, uh, about you, Julian, is that, is that you've got this big meta picture. Um, but, but when you come, I know, to teach the church and to bring healing outside of the doors of the church, you have a wonderfully, wonderfully simple way of doing it. Very powerful, which I happily learned from and applied and taught others and uh, so it'd be wonderful if you just want to share a bit about how would you go about if you because there'll be people listening going well it's all right for the two of them what what could people do if they meet somebody in the street and they just find out they've got that everyday pain that everyday difficulty how much and somehow you get that little nudging of the prompting of the holy spirit inside and andy glover who i spoke to last week talked about 20 seconds of insane courage what on earth would you actually do in those situations? Well, how about if I just share a story or two and then... Please, please. So I'm in, I'm in the hairdressers, Taffy's hairdressers in Morriston. I go there, uh, or w was going there regularly. Um, so the, the hairdresser, Michelle, her name was, uh, she's... My daughter was in her daughter's school, so, you know, we have a little bit of a conversation now and again. She disappears halfway through a haircut on one occasion. She's gone for about three minutes. I don't know where, where she's gone, but she's gone. And then she comes back and says, Julian, I can't carry on cutting your hair. Three months ago, I fell over a walking stick. I damaged my cartilage and ligaments. I'm waiting for an operation. And the pain hobbling around the chair is too much. I just can't stand on it anymore. And I said, hey, Michelle, look, you, you know, I've told you stories about how we pray for people in our church, just like the pain you've got, and they often get healed. Would you like me to pray for you? And she said, yes, please. Right. Simple as that. So there's probably about five guys waiting for their haircut. It was pretty full that day. And there's three or four other girls clipping away. Um, at that point, it went really quiet. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't want to embarrass Michelle, so I lowered my lowered my the tone of my voice, not to, not that I'm embarrassed, or because I, I wouldn't have offered prayer if that was the case, but because I didn't, I wanted to make it easy for her. So I said, Michelle, just pray this prayer with you, Lord Jesus, heal me now. And with the scissors in one hand and a comb in the other, she said, Lord Jesus, heal me now. And I said, Father, thank you that you love Michelle. I pray that you'll heal her knee. Michelle, I command your need to be healed in Jesus' name, and I command all the pain to go now. And then I said to Michelle, Michelle, move your knee and see if there's any improvement. She moved her knee and she went, Oh, <laughs> oh Julian, that's stunning, that is. <laughs> I feel emotional. Well, she was completely and totally healed. Oh, wow. 
totally healed. It took, I, t- I mean, what, five seconds? Yeah. Um, and then I went to get my hair cut, you know, a number of weeks later after it grown back. I said, how's your knee? Not, not a day of pain. Wow. Completely healed. Um, so that's how we would do it. So, so basically, um, it's, it's not like it's a, it's a formula. It's just making it easy, easy for people. So just like I would share the gospel with somebody and they say, would you like to receive the forgiveness and the eternal life and the relationship with Jesus that he offers? And they would go, yes, please. Well, why don't you pray this prayer? And this is an expression of your turning and an expression yeah. of your ask. It's just a, it's just an expression. The prayer doesn't save them. It's the face and the response of the heart that saves them, that is expressed through the prayer. Yeah, that's right, isn't it? That's right, absolutely. So, so, so we just say, make it simple. I mean, we just say, Lord Jesus, heal me now. And they go, Lord Jesus, heal me now. And we say, Lord, heal this elbow, this back, this arthritis. I come out and go in Jesus' name. And we ask them to gently do something that will test it without making it worse. We always say gently. And when we do that, time and time and time and time, people are saying it's either significantly proved, noticeably proved, or completely gone. And over the last years now, we used to keep records, but we don't anymore. It is thousands and thousands. Yeah, wow. It's amazing. And sometimes when we do meetings now, because we can do it in church, you know, (laughs) because people are getting healed in church now. Sometimes we've been to to, to church meetings or or gatherings and everybody who has stood for healing has got healed. Wow. I mean, I remember the first time that happened, I was doing a New Wine Cymru event in West Wales and I think about maybe 40 people turned up stood up for healing and we just bit blanket prayer, pray this prayer, Lord Jesus, heal me now. And they all prayed in one go, you know, and it was, and all, everybody apart from one man, um, was totally healed. And, I, and so, so you can't leave this one fella on his own. So you come down here and he came down the front. And by the time he, you know, finished a prayer from the front, he, he'd been healed as well. And I thought, well, that's unusual. But it's a sign of the culture beginning. Yeah. So whilst there was a culture shift in our church, because we've been pushing this for 10, 11 years now in Wales, there's culture shifts happening in, in, across, the, across Wales, not in yeah. all the churches, but significantly. And so yeah. we, we, we're beginning to see more of that now. It's not all the time, but we're seeing more of it. And in terms of encouraging other churches and the networks across New Wine Cymru, you've, you've done a right, what sort of things have you done that have helped them to kind of take healing forwards and start embedding it into their cultures and their practice? Teach it, 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 teach it. Right, a lot of teaching. Teach the kingdom, teach yep. the kingdom. Kingdom theology, the reason why, and address the pain, the disappointment, yep. The big yeah. questions, is it because I haven't got enough faith? Is it because of this? Is it because somebody said all of those things that get in the way that teach, teach the good theology. Don't be frightened of addressing the confused theology. And we must address the pain and the disappointment. Absolutely. Um, 
but 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 we 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 must at the same time not press into it because we don't want to how can i say this we there's a the kingdom of god isn't the kingdom of god doesn't advance pastorally right he says the kingdom of God advances violently or with great force. Yes. And as pastors, we have tender hearts and we want to protect and preserve. So we don't necessarily want to teach them healing too much because we know there's a lot of pain in the room. Uh, but we have to teach wisely, sensitively, that addresses the pain for people to be able to address the pain, <laughs> that we be able to move on. Yes. Yes. Uh, and so, so teacher, teacher, and, and we, we, that's vital. Then as leaders, we have to model it. If we are not out there praying for the sick and sharing our stories and coming back with our stories and modeling what it is to pray for the sick, it will not happen. So leaders have to teach it and leaders have to model it. And from modeling it and teaching it, we empower. So we then clearly communicate that this is for everybody and we we help people and help people have courage to give it a go and keep them to grow so that our congregation then come back with the stories and you realize oh it's not the superstars yeah. it's but just ordinary people every day and so we teach it we model it we empower it like jesus he taught the kingdom he modeled the kingdom he raised 12 and empowered it and they you know passed it on um and we then it is helpful to have a simple model of healing that is a model not the model but a model amongst others that is that is easy and quick and can be used in a moment so when we pray for people we just say pray this prayer lord jesus heal me now father please heal this pain or command this deaf ear to be healed and the hearing to return and make it real simple 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 because yes. people are going to be able to do this with their friends yes simple. absolutely and the other thing then is keep doing it don't stop don't stop don't stop don't stop don't stop carry on if people get healed carry on if they don't carry on don't stop don't stop don't stop don't stop keep doing it um you have good day and bad days but as the more you do it you'll find uh, that uh the more healings you'll be i mean my my son a number of years ago came up to me now he came up to me oh dad would you pray for me i've been having a problem that's all oh, what's the problem matthew he says i haven't seen anybody heal for two weeks <laughs> <laughs> and it gets at the point where you're thinking do you know, I, I, I've gone all week and I haven't seen anybody healed. Um, and so then you say, well, we better go and do something about it. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and, and, and I know that my experience, but both with healing from when I came back from Brazil, was um, I went from, um, it was wonderful if God healed, and I was surprised, to an expectation Um I still, you know, I don't see everybody we pray for healed. No, we don't I'm, either. I'm like, I am like surprised when people aren't healed. And I'm like, yeah. I'm curious. And I'm yeah. like, why might that be? And 
Yeah. Um, yeah. And I might be asking God, well, what are the root issue? You know, what might be getting in the way and blocking it? And there are 80% of the time I find unforgiveness might be there. But obviously you've got to then raise those sorts of issues with sensitivity. But, um, but my expectation has completely changed. The same when I share the gospel with people, with the experience with attorney. I, you know, mm. again, I now have an expectation. Well, of course people want to know the good news about Jesus. Mm. Um, so it's, a, and I think, I think when we come from a, that different place of realizing that the same power that raised Christ from the dead through the Holy Spirit is in us and at work, we have a different set of expectations than when, when, when it's kind of poor me, um, that I, that I, you know, if I look at myself 10 years ago, that's probably where I was. Mm. Yes, I was the same. I, I can't identify when the shift happened, but I know a day came when um, there would be one time when I would pray for people and I'd be surprised if they got healed. Yeah. And somewhere along the line, a shift came when I'm surprised that they didn't. And then you realize, then you just continue to pray for them. And, and what, this is the other thing that we have learn is just don't give up praying for people because they might not get healed first time second time yeah. third time fourth time fifth time but i but and this is where this conviction then comes in about actually is it the will of god to heal people or just a few and yeah. then that's why our theology and our kingdom theology has to hang together that if if it's if sickness is a result of the work of the evil one in the garden, which ultimately it is. Yeah. And therefore sickness is a work of the evil one that came through the garden upon humanity and on its creation. It's, it's, it's a very interesting thought to think that God would want that evil, that manifestation of evil, to remain in his creation. Yeah. And so, and so then you come to this place about if the kingdom of God is the eradication of evil on earth, so the rule of God can come and the hold of the evil one, which manifests itself in sin and corruption and injustice and sickness on the body, basically death, to everything that God has created and is good. It seems to think that, well, why on earth would God want it to remain and when you come to a conclusion that it's the will of god for his kingdom to come and for life to come and liberation to come and liberation from evil uh we can pray that prayer your kingdom come your will be done because you're praying out of a conviction then that it's the will of god to heal yeah and and i guess you've got the testimony and the experience of what happened with sarah because mm -hmm. that the the you know, my, my heart goes out to people, you know, there are so many godly Christians who have long-term conditions um, and, and it must be so hard for them to think, well, they know all of this, but is there something special different about me? Because I've had this for so this problem for so many years. But that, that testimony of that, you know, you know with Sarah that she was healed um, and you must have prayed for her loads of times. Yeah, well, it's happened twice. She had a terrible... Um uh food poisoning condition that lasted for years and years and years and she went as skinny as a rake and it got to the point she was just eating mashed potato made with water wow you know, no milk or anything and it and it was and it was affecting the whole family and this lasted for years and years and it so happened that 
um, Sam, uh, we, when we got him back the second time, he said there's somebody here with a stomach condition and uh, Sarah had no intention to stand up. Right. Because she, she is the person, she said to herself, I'm not going to get healed and I'm going to ruin the meeting. And my son said to her, Mum, that's you, stand up. You know? And as she stood up, she just felt like, she said, like pain going through the whole of her stomach. And she was, she was completely healed. And we're talking years and years of this. And, and she couldn't, she always loved shreddies with sugar and cold milk. Right. And she hadn't been able to eat dairy or anything like that for years and years. So she came home that night, bowl of shreddies, milk, ate a lot of it, absolutely fine. Wow. But when Sarah got healed the first time of this neurological disability, that it was inoperable, and they said she had the mobility of a 80-plus-year-old woman. Yeah. And she was, I think, uh, in her late 30s then. Um, Sam said there's somebody here with a neck problem, as a word noise. So, you know, again, she didn't want to, and she reluctantly stood up. And, she, and Sam prayed for her, she didn't get healed. Right. And she was the first person in the whole of the meeting that he picked out. <laughs> and, she, and he prayed again, and she didn't get healed. And he prayed again, and she didn't get healed. And she prayed again, and she didn't get healed. And I remember after the fourth or fifth go, I said to myself, I remember it distinctly, I said, Sam, get her to sit down. You're ruining the meeting. <laughs> this is my wife. You know. But yeah. he wouldn't give up. And after the eighth or ninth, I forget how many, but I tell you what, it was a lot. Yes. So the eighth or ninth or whatever it was go, he said, how do you feel now? And there was a tiny, tiny, tiny improvement. And then she said, oh, it's a, it feels like it's a tiny improvement. And then he prayed two or three times after that and she got totally healed and that's it. I got my wife back as I knew it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that just... I think it's the, so how many of us would give up after the second or third time? Because, uh -huh. because that, I mean, that, that's just what it says to me is, um, you know, getting going is tough. We think of someone like Todd White, who must have prayed for six or 700 people, he says, before he saw a man's knee get uh, better. His wife refused to come with him to the supermarket because she would spend his time going shopping trying to pray for people and they didn't get healed i mean nowadays he has an amazing ministry but you know there's a lot of pushing through there similarly as you said that that sam would pray you know 10 12 times in a meeting with everybody watching mm -hmm. i mean that is that is <laughs> it takes courage you know and it takes courage it's courage and too like once sarah had to be willing just to yeah stick it out because it's uncomfortable Oh, when everybody's watching, you're the only one, and you know you know that <laughs> you know, I'm the one that doesn't get healed. It's uncomfortable for her, and it's uncomfortable for Sam. But that's why I say it's 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 not that we are not pastoral, but healing isn't always pastoral yeah. in the classic sense. Yeah. Now, let me just say, I am a pastor. Uh, I used to have concern about people we pray for before we saw significant healings in the church and have concerns for them. I realize that my pastoral challenges then are nothing compared to the pastoral challenges we have now. Right. We're missing so many people healed, yet there are people that we care for and love 
dearly who have not been healed. Yes. I can think of a dear friend that was virtually joined the church um, when it first started, basically, a, you know, a founder member bar a few weeks, um, has such a terrible uh, disease, the genetic, that it, it I mean, it, it, she should be dead by now. I mean, I think it's the prayers, but <laughs> she's not, but she should be dead by now, but she, but she hasn't been healed yet. And others as well. So, so that is a huge pastoral challenge when you see so many people healed. Uh, and, it, and as you say, it's almost because we've got this uh, mindset that kingdom of God is advancing and we're seeing it advance. For those that, well, as you say, it doesn't happen. It, uh, you know, I, I remember, and you'll have heard the same story, Bill Johnson with his father. His father died of cancer when Bill had declared that his church would become cancer free. And there were people coming from around the world who were getting healed of terminal cancer, right, left and centre in this church in California. And his own father, despite the fact they prayed and prayed and prayed, died. Mm. And, and it was, you know, you can't explain it. Mm. But you have to say, I'm going to trust you, God, anyway, and I'm going to keep going. Um, and we've seen all that. See, Sarah's mum died in her in a, in a 50s. Right. Her brother died when I think he was 49. And we were seeing all of these healings break out. My, my sister died of cancer at 46. Uh, you know, I mean, we, we, we've had to fight all these things that we see healing after healing after healing after healing after healing and at the same time on your front doorstep you are seeing these things where you haven't had the full breakthrough but but one thing I'm convinced about from experiencing theology it's the will of God to heal and he can heal and just because you haven't been healed yet doesn't mean that he doesn't want to heal you and can't heal you this side of eternity your kingdom Amen. come your will be done on uh, earth absolutely. and of course our temptation is to push that prayer is uh, into the future but that prayer is not a future prayer it's a now prayer so when it says your kingdom come and your will be done on earth, give us our daily bread, is that past? Is that future or present? Daily bread. Present, isn't it? Forgive us our sins as we forgive others. Is that future sometime when the Lord returns or is it now? It's now. Deliver us from, from evil. Now. Now. You go through every line of that prayer and it's present. And yet when it comes down to healing, <laughs> you know, we tend to push it into the future or whatever. So I, I'm convinced that uh, well, we should pray. Well, that's a brilliant, probably uh, place to end. And would you, would you end, Julian, by praying for the folks that are listening that, you know, God will encourage them and take them forward on their journey and, and there may well be people listening that need a healing touch it would be that would be a great way to finish if, if you could pray yes i'd love to father i want to thank you so much for your tender love and your compassion i thank you that whether we get um, healed or not as an individual has no bearing on how much you love us or you care for us I want to thank you that our spirituality has nothing to do with it. <laughs> how spiritual we are, how much personal faith we are, how much we've prayed. 
It's grace. It's your wonderful, wonderful, wonderful mercy, mercy and grace that uh, pours down from heaven that brings the fullness of your kingdom to us in all its dimensions. And so I pray for ourselves and every person listening that the seeds of your kingdom will grow from mustard seeds into mustard trees and there'll be a great revelation of the breadth and the majesty of your kingdom in all its dimension including healing and i thank you that you are beginning to heal more and more people in britain around the world and i pray that you'll bless that and it will explode until our hearts and minds have been changed through increased counters, encounters with your kingdom power. I pray for every person listening, Lord, that you will help us walk through the mysteries of healing, but also have a conviction about your will to heal. And I pray, Lord, you'll help us to treat one another with kindness and understanding mm. and patience and compassion and whilst we are bold and courageous, let our hearts be wrapped with tenderness and carefulness as we pursue this ministry. And for anybody listening now, I pray for them. And I want to invite you to pray this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, heal me now. And Father, as you've heard, the people in pain and need and sickness pray those prayers. I pray that you'll come upon their bodies now in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I speak to diseases and sicknesses and joint pains and blood diseases and disorders in the body and command you to go in Jesus Christ's name. And I pray, Lord, that you'll touch people with your healing grace. Amen. 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 Julian, thank you so much for your time. May God bless you and uh, your ministry. Thank you. My thanks again to Julian for joining me on this podcast, the Equip to Heal podcast, which is all about encouraging and equipping people to move forward in the Christian healing ministry. I'm Alistair Mitchell Baker, and it's my pleasure and my privilege to bring this to you. May God bless you this week.